0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Long where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. You doing all right? Awesome,
1: awesome, awesome. Greet our people that are watching online. So High Ridge family, would you let them know how much you love and care for them? Hey, good morning. I'm glad you tuned in. If you're, if you're inclined to do so, would you make sure you interact with the wonderful people that are other, other end of that camera? So hey, tell them where you're watching from. We wanna, we wanna hear where this is going to. And then if you really like it, go ahead and share it with your friends. I say share it on the front end because if you don't like it, you've already shared it and I've already won. Luke, Luke chapter two is where we're gonna go to today. Luke chapter two, I think God's got something powerful to speak into our lives as we turn our hearts to his word. As we're turning to Luke I wanna just say thank you for your generosity. Many of you are standing behind us financially. It means the world to us that we're able to do so much for God's kingdom and for people that have a lot less than what you have because of your generosity. So let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to me, it means the world to a lot of people that are affected by your giving. So thank you for that. So Luke chapter two, I wanna get into a message today for some people that know we haven't arrived yet. Some people that know we're, we're not quite there, I'm in process. You're in process. Today's message is called God of the Grind. Somebody say, God of the Grind. He's the God of the Grind. Sometimes it feels like we're grinding it out. We ain't there yet. It's the grind. We're in the grind. Some of you are like, he is speaking my life story. I'm in it. I get it. So as we're turning our hearts to Luke chapter two, um, we're talking about living in between in the space before we get to the... There, if if I was inclined, I would have just titled the message "Are We There Yet?" Because that seems to be that seems to be at some point uh, when the car was invented, it seems to be like that was the phrase that every kid learned really, really quickly. That still carries on to this day. Are we there yet? And so I grew up uh, as a as a pastor's kid, traveling with my dad and traveling with our large family. And man, we uh we were constantly on road trips in a station wagon that. I wouldn't put my worst enemy in. The station wagon went on nothing, nothing but faith, nothing but faith. And that, uh, how many people remember there was a time before seatbelts where you could sit in the back and most of our road trips were focused on the back window, just watching. And you see the truckers come and you're doing that. Remember that? Remember that? You do that to the truckers, mama, and then your dad would freak out, what's he honking at me for? And you're like, yeah. let's do it again. Two for two, see what happens. That's the fun stuff, right? And you start saying that to your parents and at some point you realize, I am the parent now and I hear that, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We miss the beauty of the journey. I think we live in a society where we are obsessed with arrival. We're obsessed with being there, getting the breakthrough, getting to the goal, achieving something and we miss the beauty of the journey. We miss the beautiful nuances, the parts of life where God works things out of our character. We miss the beauty that is found in the grind. We want instant mastery. And we see this happening in our children, in our children's children. They want to, uh, to be as good as they see on YouTube and as good as they see on TikTok. And people that have worked for years to master something, we see the, the frustration that happens within our children and grandchildren when they're, they, they're not as good as these people that do these things and have practiced for years. They're like, well, I should be able to do this because they did it. You know, there are things that I thought I was really, really good at until I saw somebody better. Things that I thought would be easy for me until you see someone, but it really is easy for them. And the difference is they practiced. I just thought I was a genius. Nobody else. I remember the first time I saw a Rubik's Cube and I'm like, how hard could this be? Six sides, a few colors, not a big deal at all. And then you scramble that thing up and 15 minutes later, I'm pulling stickers off the side. Anybody else ever pull off the stickers? Come on. Like, look at, look at how I fixed it. And you're like, why is there a bunch of hair stuck to the side of it? Like, Don't worry about that. The colors are on the right sides. I remember the first time I played in a high school baseball game. I thought I could play baseball. I thought I was pretty good. And I'm telling you, there's a difference between playing with your buddies in a rec league when you're a teenager and then playing in a 5A high school. Like, I saw something I'd never seen before. It's called a curveball. And that, that's That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. And I I couldn't hit it, very much like the Phillies last night. Somebody say amen. Don't act like y'all weren't cheering for the Astro. Me and Pastor Chris were cheering for the Phillies because we believe that he's the God of the underdog. And we're probably the reason why they didn't win. You ever been in a place where you feel like, God, if I was just there, if I could just get here, if I could just arrive, if I could just get to the place where it feels like I got breakthrough. Are we there Yet, as we're turning our hearts to the the truth of God's word, I want to speak to some people that don't have the breakthrough yet, don't have that moment where things have gotten clear, don't have that prodigal that has returned home kind of moment, don't have that moment where you're like, I'm praising God instead of believing in God. I'm trusting in God. No, that trust has turned into, I saw God do it. You know, we're walking by faith and not by sight. What happens when it's no longer faith because you saw the breakthrough? That's a good time. I love it. I love when miracles happen. They happen. But more often than not, we find ourselves in the grind. In Luke chapter 2, it talks about two people, Simeon and Anna, and they were living in the grind, It reminds us that there are powerful things that can happen before we see the promise, before we see the breakthrough, before we see the change, before we see that moment where everything gets different. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, it says this. Now, there was a man called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And I want to pay attention to that scripture uh, in this moment because it's important that we don't breeze past that. Notice this, that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a period of 400 years where God does... Nothing that people can see. Simeon is waiting on the promise to be fulfilled and has waited for so long. His entire life, he's waiting on God to do the stories of what he had heard about in the Old Testament. From year to year to year to year. God, when are you going to bring these things To pass, But it says in that moment, even though he hasn't seen God do anything, no one's saw God move in miraculous ways. In 400 years, he's still righteous and devoted to the Lord. There's a powerful message in just the righteousness and the devotion that can happen even when you don't see the promise fulfilled. Come on, somebody, say amen. There's something powerful that can happen in our lives. He was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I got to see it. Your word came to pass. He said, I can go in peace. You fulfilled Your promise. But it doesn't just end there. It talks about a woman named Anna, who was also living in the grind, waiting for God to move and to do what he had promised to do. Look at this. So there was also a prophetess, Anna. She was very old and she had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. But she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gives thanks to God and spoke about the child to all. What a powerful testimony of those that were living righteously and devoted to the Lord in the middle of the nothing. And they get to see and hold the baby Jesus. They get to see the promise fulfilled, the consolation of Israel, the hope for all mankind revealed to the people that were willing to do well in the midst of the journey between here and there. We are a people that are obsessed with the then then I'll be happy, then I'll have it figured out, then things will work out, then we'll be fine. I can't wait until that happens and we miss the this. We miss the power that it's had in this moment with our Lord. There are four things that I want us to understand about the God of the grind today. Four things that are gonna be important for us to know as you're grinding it out, as you're waiting for that next season when God breaks through. If you're standing in faith today, if you're standing in a place of hope, if you're having to trust God for the outcome when you don't see it, this message, this is for you. So turn to the person on your left and say, this is for you. Turn to your second choice and say, this is for you too. You, you need this. How do we get through the grind? I say don't give up in the grind. That's where coffee comes from. Somebody say Amen. I wanna give you four keys that I think are incredibly important as we can pull these things out of this story today. Getting through the grind. Here's number one. Uh, The grind is a season. It's not a destination. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write that down. The grind is a season. It's not a destination. It's not a place to stay. It's seasonal. Here's the thing that we know about our God. God is a God that is a generational God and he's a God of seasons. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 that he makes everything beautiful in It's time. Everything has a time. Everything has a season. God made a season for you. For some people, you're like, it's not my season yet, but it's coming. For other people, like, I had my season, and I want another one. He makes all things beautiful in its time. For some of us, you're like, hey, I'm going to be beautiful. It's just not time, right? (laughs) It's not my time. God's a God of seasons. Why is it so important to remember that? Because if you don't recognize he's a God of seasons, you get stuck there. It becomes your identity. It becomes a place where you stay in the grind. Now, back in my day, uh, we used to have a commercial that would come on television that we would, that we would uh, make fun of, and it was the Dunkin' Donuts guy. And for those of you that know what I'm talking about, you remember there was a guy that it shows the clock at 4 a.m., and he wakes up out of bed, and he's, Time to make the donuts. He's got this shuffle that's going on as he walks over to Dunkin' Donuts and turns the lights on and turns the fryers on and gets the dough ready for all the people that want their donuts first thing in the morning. Some of you are like, we need to have donuts at this church. That sounds really good. Time to make the donuts. Living in the grind. Time to make the donuts. This is a person that reflects a lot of our attitudes as we approach Seasonal change, seasonal. It's moved from just becoming a season to a destination. It's part of who I am now. I've de- identified with the grind, so now it's like I, I hope God does something, but I don't know, and I just don't know if I'm ever gonna see God do anything. I'm just stepping out in faith. <laughs> time to trust God again, and time <laughs> to believe God for another miracle, and hopefully at some point we're gonna see revival. Time to make the donuts. Time to pray. Has it come to that? And it's become an identity. Stuck in the middle of the grind. And now the grind has become our identity. Let it never be said of us that we don't embrace the grind. We don't embrace the journey. We don't recognize that even though I haven't arrived yet, God's still God. And he could still move at any time. This could be closer to the end than we've ever been before. The grind is a season it's not a destination. Here's the thing that we know. You know, boats were designed to be on the water. And the problem happens when the water gets in the boat. Somebody say amen, right? What happens if the water keeps coming in? It's designed to be on the water. The water wasn't meant to be in the boat. What does it tell me? It tells me this, that I can be in the grind without the grind being in me. How do, I, how do I do well in that season? I want to share this with you. This is something that I wanted to make sure that I, that I told you. I felt strongly from the Holy Spirit to remind you of this. You're going to have to take personal responsibility for your spiritual health. It is not anybody's responsibility to walk you out of this. Now, I wish, I wish that that was the case, that someone would, God would always use someone to come along and say, hey, just follow me and this is the way that you do it. It doesn't happen more often than not. It's just you and your ability to trust God. I can be in the grind without the grind defining defining me, without it becoming my identity. I love how it says that Simeon and Anna, that they were righteous people, devoted people, people that were full of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of those moments where they have nothing but faith and hope and trust that God is going to fulfill his promises. You know, it's hard to stay righteous. It's hard to stay devoted in the waiting. It's hard when you haven't seen what you long to see. It's hard to see when when, when you you know you've got a prodigal there and the prodigal hasn't come home. That's a difficult season. It's hard when the marriage hasn't changed. It's hard when the financial situation is still the same as it was yesterday. You're looking at that account and like, okay, Lord, you didn't give me a million dollars overnight. Should I play the lottery? Because at 1.9 billion, it's like, Lord, I'll tithe. I'll be the best tither you've ever seen. It's seasonal. It's seasonal. It's seasonal. You need to remind yourself this is seasonal. It's not a destination. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. Some of the greatest scriptures in the world start with, it came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. Here's the second key that we need to see about the grind. Number two, I can maximize the party of one. Maximize the party of one. Some of you know what it's like to have to walk through the single stage. Some of you have been uh, have been single. Some of you single again. Some of us have times have had times in your marriage where you feel like you're single. You're, you're sleeping with a stranger. Sometimes it feels like you're incredibly alone, walking through the grind. Sometimes it feels like nobody understands, nobody gets it. There's no one walking through what you're walking through. Am I speaking anybody's language? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, it's difficult when you don't have a hype squad. You know, one of the things that we saw in 2020 was many, many churches um, had no choice but to, but to try to broadcast online to people and they weren't really set up for, for that. So what they do is they have one person with a camera and then the pastor up there and he's going and trying to preach and then about five minutes later, he's like, this is stupid. I ain't got nobody giving me no feedback. There's, there's nobody saying amen. It's like first service, not you guys, like first service. It's like, come on, that's good. And they're like, look, you need this. You're like, no. There's something special that happens when you've got a hype squad. When I can look out there and connect with some people's eyes, and they're like, come on, pastor, this is good, I need this. Tell my wife, speak louder. Get those people in the back. Get those people there upstairs, they need it. What happens when you don't have it? What happens when you're walking through alone? What happens when there's nobody to tell you, it's going to be all right, you can get through this? What happens when you don't have it? Here's the great news. You can encourage yourself if nobody else is. And I've walked through this situation many times in my life, but the only person left to encourage me is me. Like, all right, self, this ain't the end. You're going to be all right. You're going to get through this. Are you sure, self? I think I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be okay. God still got you. He hasn't forgotten. I don't know, man. Are you sure? I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Is this the way? Yes. Yes, this is the way. I don't feel like worshiping right now. I don't feel like it. you're going to need to do this. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't feel like it. I don't see it. I can encourage myself. You ever had to encourage yourself? Yeah. Come on. You haven't lived till you've encouraged yourself. Ain't no other hype squad around. Ain't nobody saying amen. Ain't nobody saying you got it. I got me. I love what the Bible tells us about David. David was a man after God's own heart, and there were plenty of times in David's life where there wasn't nobody. Huge periods between the time that he slays Goliath and the time that he becomes the king of Israel. That doesn't happen overnight. There's a waiting process where David is alone, and more often than not, we find him on the run with a boss chasing him, tried to kill him twice with a spear. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a weird situation to walk back into when he's done it once. David finds himself on the run, and there's one part where it talks about him. Uh, he says David has to pretend to be insane, so he, he spits down his beard, and he lays in the corner and just kind of goes into a seizure, and the person that's chasing him is like, oh, this dude's crazy. I'm not going to kill a crazy person. And David's like, that worked? Hey. Well, he didn't realize, like, I'm not even playing. Like, this is a hard season. I really am crazy. I'm drooling on myself 24-7. It's a hard season. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But in the middle of all that being on the run, fearing for his life, with no one to encourage him. David pins Psalm 34. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He said, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. He said, I realize ain't nobody else here to tell me anything. So what am I going to do? So I'm going to say, self, I'm going to bless God. In the good times, yes. In the bad times, yes. When you feel it, yes. When you don't feel it, yes. But I'm still going to do it. His praise is going to continually be in my mouth. Ain't nobody else to hype me up. I don't need nobody else. If it's just me and Jesus, that's all I need. I can maximize the party of one. Now, understand this. The Bible was clear in Genesis. that It ain't good for man to be alone. And we've done the best job that we can as a church to give you as many interactions with people as possible to make sure that you know that people love you. That you have value. You have a purpose. You're seen here. And at some point, we're going to challenge you. We're going to push you to get in a group. You need people. And people need you. It's good for us. You saw what happened when we're all isolated. It ain't good for you, boo boo. It ain't good. Some of us are still paying the price of being alone, you alone too long. And we go all the time, oh, it's two people in here, and I just like to be by myself. And then all of a sudden you're by yourself, you're like, I don't have nobody to make fun of. Who who am I going to reject? Right? We need people. But there are some advantages to being in in the party of one stage. There's some advantages, spiritual and and natural. Here's here's one advantage, it's cheaper. It don't cost a lot when you're, hey, party of one. It's cheaper. Number two, you ain't offending a lot of people when it's just you to argue with, right? You don't have to ask for permission from nobody. It's just just me. Do you want to do it? I give myself permission, there's some advantages. And you can also encourage yourself in the Lord. And recognize, Ain't nobody here to discourage me. And I'm not going to let myself be discouraged over what I'm thinking. I'm going to make my boast in the Lord. I'm going to let his praise be in my mouth. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. If no one else will do it, I'll do it. And I will maximize party of one. It turns from a pity party to a praise party. With the fruit of my lips. I want to remind you of this, that the grind is not the sideline. Oh, when that happens, then I'll be in the game. Then I'll start praising. Then I'll give God glory. Then I'll get into a group. Then I'll tithe. Then I'll praise. Then I'll let God use me. When I get this settled. when I get that. No, no, no. The grind is not the sideline. There are amazing things that can happen in the middle that don't happen in any other season. Things like faith and hope and trust. And perseverance, words that we throw around a lot. Nobody wants to do them until that's all you got is faith and hope and trust and perseverance and grinding it out. Some of us are like, what kind of church is this? All talking about grinding? Yeah, we're bumping and grinding. I don't know. We're redeeming it. We're taking it back. Can he say that? I don't know. The jury's out. It's a gray area. Here's number three. What can I do to get through the grind? Here's number three. I can do it with excellence. What do I mean by that? By the excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. That means no matter what life may throw at me, no matter what God may have me walking through, no matter what my circumstances may be, I can check my attitude. I can check my attitude. I love the story of Daniel. The Bible says that Daniel was a young man taken into captivity but he served at every season of his life with a spirit of excellence. Everything that he did was excellent as unto the Lord. The Lord gives us that story in Joseph as well. His brothers throw him into a pit when he has a dream and his, his brothers sell him into slavery and he gets taken by, by a caravan into, into Egypt and they make him a slave. He gets accused of rape and they throw him into prison falsely. And at every season from the pit, to slavery, to prison. We find him with an excellent spirit. You cannot keep him down. That's a choice that you make, to have a spirit of excellence. I think most of us think that in in the grind, in the journey, in those moments where we're having to wait, that all I gotta do is accomplish these things. If I can get these things done, then God will bump me up to the next level. No, 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 It, it really is a lot more about your attitude. Let me say it this way. The Lord checks my attitude over my productivity. It's more about how your heart is versus what you're getting done. And I want to just challenge you today to think about the condition of your heart in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the grind, in the middle of waiting for the breakthrough, in the middle of having to persevere. Think about the condition of your heart. You know, Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. We say, keep it 100. You kids may say, no cap. I'm not sure what that means. Here's what the Lord says, Colossians three: Whatever you do, work at it with all your. Somebody say the next word. Heart. heart. Look at it. He says, "Don't do it. He didn't say work work at it with all your strength, with all your might. Get accomplished. All you can get accomplished is not do it. Do it with your heart. Do it with your heart. What would be the difference in your job if you weren't working for a human boss? If you weren't even working for yourself? You weren't working to produce, to produce, to produce, to get through, but you're doing what you do tomorrow morning with all your heart. Doing it as unto the Lord, not for a human master. What would would change if I'm doing this with my heart? If you put your heart in it. These are the things that God honors. These are the things that God sees. Things that people may not ever see, but God sees. These are the things that make a big difference when you're grinding it out. And you're having to press through. God looks at the condition of your heart. And this is where I see is one of the greatest failures of Christians in the workplace. Where's your heart? What's the condition of your heart? I'm just waiting on God to reward me. Like, <laughs> you're going to be waiting a while. How's your heart? And I say that and I pause and I, and I say it over and over again because I want you to see the importance of what the Lord is saying to you, do what you do as unto the Lord. Do it with all your hearts because God rewards things that others might never see. And here's the thing, I want to remind you, hey, God knows how to bless. Make no mistake, our God is, he's an amazing God. We say he's, he's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah just barely. Some pastors said El Shaddai, not El Chipo, and I like that. When he wants to bless, he can bless. And God does things with people that, uh, that have their attitude in check, that are able to, to produce in the middle of the grind with all of their heart. God does things that you, you can't get in any other season. Nobody else can do. God does things like blesses you first. Did you know that? Did you know that? Jesus says the last are gonna be first in the kingdom. What's he talking about there? Over and over we see this this. this This crazy dichotomy of of if you wanna go up, you gotta go down. If you're gonna go left, you're gonna go right. If you wanna find your life, you gotta lose it. Here's the thing, those that persevere, those that walk through the tough seasons, God says, I'm blessing you first. Before anybody else sees it, I'm gonna show it to you because your heart's right. You serve a God that knows how to take care of things. and He likes to bless those who have great attitudes with the first. We see this in the life of Joseph when Joseph is is, uh, is being used by God, keeping an excellent spirit. The Bible tells him that God gives Joseph dreams and he sees things that are about to happen before they happen. And he takes that same knowledge and, and that spirit of excellence, he takes that, that relationship with the Lord into a position of great power over Egypt and he tells him this, there's about to be a famine and that it's only gonna last for seven years and after this period of seven years ends, there's gonna be a time of, of this, there's gonna be a time of that and he begins to speak things before they happen. God reveals to him things First. Here we see in the story of Simeon. You know, we think in in terms of the Christmas story that the the wise men get to see Jesus first. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when the wise men approach the house that they they see the child. This is a a word in the original language that tells us that Jesus is about two, He's, he's a child. But here they're bringing him to the temple to have him circumcised. He's eight days old. So long before the wise men get to see, Simeon gets to see. Why? Because his heart's right, he's been devoted to the Lord. He's understood the God of the grind. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's Anna, 84 years old, standing in the presence of God saying, Lord, someday. And all of a sudden, God says, It's today. And you get to proclaim the risen king. You get to proclaim the Messiah. You get to proclaim the goodness of God. The promise is fulfilled. You get to do it first. Amen. And she goes everywhere and tells all the people, Hey, he's here. It's a boy. And what a boy. God loves to reward those who keep their heart right in the middle of the grind. Here's part number four. As I finish up with this, this is, uh, this is the main burden that the Lord's given me this week to share with you. And I want to make sure that you see this. Number four, getting through the grind, I'm going to have to lean into the Holy Spirit. Now, there are things that you can do. You can encourage yourself. You can remember this is a season. It's not a destination. I can have an excellent spirit. I can check my attitude. But at some point, if you're not leaning into the Holy Spirit, you're going to get stuck in the grind. Notice this, that it says that Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit. It says this in the original language, that the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Remember this. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on everybody else until Acts chapter 2. Simeon gets it first. The Holy Spirit's given a little preview. and Simeon gets to to live and operate, being moved by the Holy Spirit. People like Anna are prophetess, speaking things, that God is saying, because their attitude is right, they're led by the Holy Spirit. Lean into the Holy Spirit. How do I do that practically? I think many people today have no idea how to interact with the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I get to the place where I'm led by the Holy Spirit? I want to tell you that the Bible puts the cookies on the bottom shelf and tells, it tells us one word. How do, I, how, how do I get to a place where I'm led by the Holy Spirit? Here's one word. You Ask. Ask. there's a prayer that's been prayed since the beginning of the church. It's been passed down for centuries. One of the most original prayers that still goes back. It's rich in our history. Three words, Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. And it's powerful. It opens up things that no man could open. It closes doors no man could close. It invites us to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me tell you this. Your God is omnipresent. He can go anywhere he wants to do. He wants to go. He can do anything he wants to do. He's everywhere. But the Holy Spirit wants to be invited. He's a gentleman. He's not going to override your free will. say so you can go and you can grind all you want. Let me tell you this. You're going to grind throughout your life either way. But it's better with the Holy Spirit. Because at least you're grinding in the right direction. Come on, somebody. So let me say it this way. If you don't need direction, comfort, blessing, or revelation, then you can grind without the Holy Spirit. That ain't my portion, no. No, no, no. As for me and my house, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not there yet. How do we get there? Leaning into the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is, is is the God of promise. He's the insurance of God's promises fulfilled. How do we know this? Ephesians chapter 1 it says you were sealed in him, him being Christ. You were sealed in him with the somebody say the next two words. With the Holy Spirit. Say it again. The Holy Spirit. Notice it adds this, the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's saying the Holy Spirit is given as insurance That God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. And it gives us a different mindset. It gives us a view of what God is going to do in our lifetime and in our situation with our hopes and trusts and as we're persevering, God said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to help guide you through that, to show you, you can't quit. How do I know I can trust you, God? I've given my Holy Spirit as a deposit. He's gonna comfort you. He's gonna give you direction. He's gonna lead you. He's gonna rest on you. He's gonna wake you up and speak and say, hey, don't do that today. Let's go this way. Hey, check your attitude. Go back and say you're sorry. Hey, help that person. Stop. Stop. Go here. Go there. Listen. Just wait. This is the lifestyle of being a spirit-led believer. The God of the grind is accessible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We lean into him. He gives us his insurance that he hadn't forgotten about us, and we're not going to be stuck here. It's just a season. It's going to pass. So some of you know my story. I came came to God as as a young kid, and uh, my dad was a pastor. We traveled, did a bunch of stuff. I mean, uh, but in my teenage years, I really did walk away from the Lord, a a large hatred for the church, hatred for the things of the Spirit. Uh, I wanted to live my own life, and I thought I could do a much better job with my life than what God could and let me just tell you, like that was a rough, dark season. Lots of mistakes. Many of you know, it's your story too. Maybe you're raised in church, but there was a time where you're like, yeah, that ain't me. That ain't for me. That's for old people. That's for weirdos. And when the Lord really arrested my heart and changed my life, I remember going to a, to a big church where I could just be anonymous and I just sat in the back and I'm like, okay, if you're real, Lord, I mean, you say you're real, show me something because these people are weird. I don't feel like I fit in here. You know, I could smile and shake hands and say, glory to God, hallelujah, with the best of them, but I don't fit in here. These people, are, are they think they're better than everybody else. I remember what it was like to sit there. And the Lord began to speak to my heart and says, I want you to serve. I'm like, oh, I want them to serve me. I knew that God had called me into ministry. I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. I knew that that's what I'm gonna do, but I'm like, God, just, all right, who's gonna let me speak? What kind of weirdos would ever listen to me say anything? What am I going to say? Tell some jokes? And so I went to the pastor and said, hey, I know you don't know me, but um, I'd like to serve somewhere. Is there any place you know you could use somebody like me? He said, absolutely, what can you do? And I rattled off all my list of accomplishments. Like, I'm really good, pastor. I'm really good at a lot of things. And uh, you are blessed to have me. He said, would you, would you come on Wednesday night and would you help with our youth? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not really my thing. I'm not that into it. Um, don't like kids, don't like their attitudes. Don't like how they think they know everything and they're better than everyone else and the Lord's showing me like a mirror. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, they're cool, I guess. So, shut up that Wednesday and, st- and I said, what would you have me to do? Do you want me to preach or do you want me to lead worship? Do um, you want me to lay hands on these kids and watch them be healed, is that what you're, like, no, we need you to open the door. I'm like, so close. Like, Perhaps you don't know how great I am. I'm really good. I'm, I'm called to ministry. Would you open up this door? I did it. Finally said yes, humbled myself and just started serving. You know, knowing that there was going to be a time where there'd be a group of people listening to what I had to say. but I wasn't ready. I needed the grind. I needed to sit there and serve and humble myself and get to know people before you start spouting the Bible at them love these kids get to know their stories you know i had a job at the time and so i'm working uh, working in pest control and so i was working in south dallas running an an apartment pest control route and if you don't know about south dallas let me tell you this ain't the cream of the crop and the nicest place i'm just telling you there's some horrible things and so here i am there's only certain times of the day i can go because it's not safe and you think about every single door that you knock on, offering pest control service to these places that are just filthy and infested slumlords. And here's me. You're like, I wonder what's behind this door. And there's times you're sitting in your truck and you're picking fleas off of your shirt just because you walked in this place and just crawling with fleas. And there's times you're walking through the roaches and walking through the spiders, walking through the mice and the rats. And I had to get seven rattlesnakes off a lady's porch one time. I'm like, you guys should hire someone. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's me. Like, It's tough walking through that, thinking, God, I know you've called me to so much more. Is this, this my calling? Is this what I'm doing? This is hard. I don't like this. There's another lady that was there that was sexually harassing me on the job. I was having to talk to her boss and said, hey, I know I'm really good looking, and it's hard for people to take their eyes off of me, but, but to have to walk through that, I'm like, Lord, where are you? Have you forgotten about me? Like, Nobody should have to put up with this stuff. That's not the life that I want to live. It's, surely there's more than, than this. You call me to ministry. Why am I having to walk through this? You know, it's great what God can teach you in the middle of all that, of how to see people, how he sees them, how he can love them when they're broken, when they're down and out and messed up and addicted and strung out and angry and deceived. And full of hatred and bitterness, you can see some of the pe- some people are at their worst. And God's like, I'm sending you right there, because there's some point coming where you're going to be able to stand up here, with this word, and love people, and love them. At that point, you don't hurt them. You you help them, help them to know the God of the grind, help them to see what happens between the promise and the promise fulfilled. Tell them about my love. Tell them about my peace. I want to remind you this: uh, the grind. That's where the good testimonies come from. So we don't despise it. We don't despise it. We recognize it. He's the God of the grind. So wherever you're at, if you find yourself in a place or you're up on the mountain, hey, praise God. But if you're in a valley, if you're in the middle, if you're in the space between, if you're waiting on the Lord, praise God. Praise God. Lean in to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. When you wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, would you lead my day? I'll give my schedule to you. Holy Spirit, if you want me to go left, I'll go left. I don't want to just grind for no reason. Show me. Show me your ways. Work things out of my heart that don't belong. I give my day to you. That'll help you. As we finish up today, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And for all of you watching online, hey, I'm so glad that you you tuned in today. I believe our our world needs to hear this message. So do me a favor if you would. if you like what you heard, would you click the share icon and would you share this with your friends? I think it's a good one. They need to hear it. Lots of people are walking through a tough season. They need to know about the God of the grind. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're walking through a tough season, you're like, Pastor, this is speaking my language. I'm, uh, I'm in a tough place. I want you to know that you're, you're here for a reason. God led you here for a reason. I believe he wants to encourage you. He wants to help you. He wants to minister to your needs. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you say, I'm, I'm in a tough season, you're speaking my language, that's me. Can you just lift your hand all over this place? That's me, Pastor. That's me. That's me. I want to pray for you right where you are. Father, right now for every hand lifted, for every person walking through a tough situation, for every season, Lord, of waiting, every season of perseverance, every season where we're having to grind it out, put one foot in front of the other, I pray that you would remind us that we are not alone and our story is not unique. Many, many people had to wait for the promise to be fulfilled. Many people had to wait on your provision. I'm not alone. I'm in good company. Father, show me that you're still with me. Remind me of your goodness. Remind me that you're the God that provides. You're the God that sees me. And there's value in this season if I can just see you. Father, would you touch my friends? Would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, that you would lead them every single day this week. I pray that they'd be led by your spirit. Reveal your heart to them. Let them see your blessing. In Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching this and saying, I I need to make myself, I I, got to get right with the Lord. Maybe like me, your story is very similar. You were raised in church, but you've gotten away from God and you need to come home. If you want to know how to do that, then I'm going to help you in the next few moments. I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray the prayer along with me. I'll tell you what to say. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of invitation, asking for the Lord to come and to forgive you of your sins and to be the boss and Lord, the savior of your life. You know, somebody loved me enough to help me with this, and I love you enough to help you the same way change my life, and it's going to change yours. It's the prayer of faith. So pray with me. The prayer goes like this. If you want a relationship with Jesus, pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for every one of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. Be my boss. Take over. I pray this, my friends, say, Jesus, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you actually prayed that prayer, if you did it and you're not ashamed to admit it, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just ask you to would you just lift your hands. That was me, Pastor. I did. I see you. Anyone else? I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. That was me. Good. If you're watching online today, man, I am so proud of you. If you prayed that prayer, there's a number appearing on your screen. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Text Text the words, I pray, to that number. And I'm going to send you some links of some things that I've prepared just for you. Things that will help you understand what's going on in your heart. And what you should do next. We believe that this isn't the end of your journey with Jesus. This is the beginning. We want to help you keep going. I'm proud of you. Good for you. Our High Rich family, go ahead and look up at me if you would. And stand to your feet. It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you here this week, and just so pleased that you continue to come, you continue to support us. It means a lot, so thank you for that. Have our elders and their wives stepping forward, and if you need prayer about any part of your life, there's anything you're walking through that you say, I wish somebody would pray for me, these people are going to remain right here at the front to be available to pray for you. I also want to say we've just come to the end of Pastors Appreciation Month, and I love being a part of a church where I feel like you appreciate what we're doing here. We serve on an amazing staff of some great pastors. Um, this week we get to take them all to Broken Bow. We're gonna do a little bit of fly fishing. I've never done that. I've never been fly fishing, but um, on behalf of all of your church family to all of your pastors that are here on stage, uh, on, on the staff, we just wanna say we appreciate you. I know that you appreciate me. It's a good thing to be in a church that appreciates what you do. So I just wanna say thank you on behalf of all them. We get to do some fishing this week. So um, we will post pictures of who catches the biggest fish, and depending upon your prayers and support, um, I will be victorious once again. <laughs> I've never done this. It's going to be a horrible, miserable mistake. But we'll see. So hey, let me just tell you, I, I love you. And I want to pray for you and bless you before we go. So Father, I pray that you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. Order their steps, Lord. Be with them, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing day.
0: Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.